You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Good evening. Greg Hector. Hello. Jesse Gray. How's it going? Tony Rochette. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Ryan Luza. What's up, guys? Hey, thanks for coming on. So uh, we've been uh, talking about you on our podcast for a long time, especially uh, 2017 when you won a championship over there in the peak. And uh, we're happy to have you. So let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, first, tell us how you got involved in iRacing. When did you first hear the word iRacing? How did you first get started? Um, I think it was... Uh, 2009, 2010, um, I was racing a legend car at Wichita Falls Speedway in Texas, and um, I don't, somehow something got brought up, and one of the other racers was telling me about the best online sim to do, and he said it was iRacing, and I'd really like it, and I got home and looked into it and started doing it then, and been hooked on it basically ever since. All right, yeah, you've been around for some time. I was just looking at your career stats. Uh, the big number that jumps out at me is your oval winning percentage, 56% career uh, winning on oval. That's a very high number. There's only a couple people that are higher than that on the service. So, yeah, that's something to be proud of for sure. Uh, now, let's talk about what your setup is. Uh, what are you running for, like, the hardware, wheels, uh, you know, your, your pedals, your, your computer, what kind of monitors are you doing VR? Um, I have three monitors. Um, I've always liked having kind of a bigger screen because I used to race on a TV. Um, so when I made the swap to three monitors and I really wanted to do the 144 hertz refresh rate, um, I went I went ahead and got a 32-inch monitor with two smaller side monitors at 24 inches. So um, I did that in preparation for Pro 2016, I believe, or 2017. Um, and I've stuck with that ever since. I absolutely love it. I recommend it to anyone else. I think having the better, the bigger center screen is a little bit more realistic. So you have a bigger view out, out in front of you and then the smaller view for your, um, for your doors. You can see people if they're crowding you or something like that. Um, and I've ran a driving force GT for ever since basically I've started iRacing. I've never swapped off the wheel and I use G27 pedals since the DFGT pedals are basically plastic. Wow, uh, the GT, that's an old wheel, yeah. And uh, But I like the triples, and so you're still running the 32 in the center and the smaller on the sides? Yes, sir. I have, like, two. It's actually a messed up setup, but I have two, uh, like, TV dinner trays that hold up my side monitors. Um, so it doesn't exactly line up, but it gets the job done for me. That's the thing uh, people don't think about when you do triples is you got to have good placement of those screens physically. They got to be in the right spot surrounding your head, so to speak. And uh, hey, whatever gets it done, right? Oh, for sure. All right. Uh, tell us, you know, uh, what are you doing outside the peak series? Uh, are you running any other leagues or are you running, uh, you know, fixed or open or what? Um, I don't normally do too much. I think I was telling um, some earlier. Last year, I don't think I ran a single race other than Peak, but this year with the new build that came out that was that we all knew was going to be completely different, and we heard it was so much more radical of a change um, that I wanted to start running some more, you know, A-fixed, NIS stuff. Um, 
just to adapt to the package because just everything we heard about it was it's going to be so, so much different. Um, so I've done a, a bit more racing this year, and I think it's paid off. Um, it's just valuable racing experience, especially when you have the race on Monday night right before peak, and a lot of the peak guys jump in there, and we kind of just have like a, a mock race essentially. Um, and I really enjoy doing that. You know, streaming, it's nice and fun to interact with some people. Um, it's just it's nice to race more because I really do enjoy it. Yeah, that's kind of a neat race to just kind of loosen up, make sure everything's working, you know, and uh, uh, before the big one, right? Oh, for sure. All right. Uh, what's your preferred car number? Are you running it, and uh, why do you like that car number? Um, I don't really think I, I'd have a preferred car number. Um, I liked having the one when I had it in 2017, but the deal they did with Richmond um, Raceway in 2018 kind of pushed us off that number. Um, then we got put to the number six, and then this year, um, Flipside had the 53 and the 63. Um, and actually, I was going to be in the 63, but I really, really loved the 53's paint scheme. And I hit up Timmy Hill, and I'm like, "Hey, Timmy, can I please run that car?" You know, and because I really do love the paint scheme. So basically, for me, it's the paint scheme over the number um, because I, I really do love it. Um, so not really preferred number, but I do love driving my car. Well, absolutely. All right, and uh, you've been in iRacing a, a while. What is the most memorable moment so far? I mean, I would say it have to it would have to be winning the championship in 2017, but the way last year went, I think it's it's going to stick out more because of the way it happened. So me and Ray were set up for an amazing finish, um, battling it out for like the last 60 laps. And he ended up short pitting me by a couple laps, and I remember thinking, you know, he he short pitted that a little bit too much. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get him, you know, because I pitted two laps later, and I go to check my my F four and see my uh, my fuel just to make sure. Like usually, I wouldn't even check, right? Because it's basically already taken care of. Um, but I check it, and I'm like half a lap short, and I'm like, oh, no, like my heart basically sank, and I'm like okay, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm running down Ray for the leagues that have fresher tires, but I'm short on gas by half a lap. Um, so I basically just ended up running the bottom, even though the car was better up top. And I, I got close to him, but I still ran out of gas coming off turn four. But I did what I needed to do just to be able to cross the line in second. So I think that's actually going to stick out a little bit more than winning a championship just because of you know how... I would say just it's disappointing, really, just to have something like that happen. But fortunate enough to have enough gas to even make it to the line. Um, but I think that had been the best championship battle in history. I mean, I think it still was the closest one. But to be able to actually, like, we would have been fighting side by side, and he wouldn't have gave an inch, and I wouldn't have gave an inch. I really wish we could have battled that one out last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of bittersweet when it's so close like that. And it, I was just thinking that's a Carl Edwards kind of moment, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, what do you want to do? You can go up there and I could go fight with them and maybe probably pass them because I had fresher tires. But if I do that, I mean, it looks exciting, but I'm going to run out of gas with a lap to go. So it's like I really just had to bite the bullet and uh, come home in second. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, tell us about the schedule that you guys are running. Uh, what track you looking forward to? Uh, what would you change if you wanted to change the schedule? Um, so Kentucky has been one of my favorite tracks on iRacing for a long time, back when I was running a lot of the B-car stuff, um, when ETV did Friday Night Showdowns and stuff like that. So Kentucky, I'm really looking forward to Kentucky. I like the track. It's 
multi-groove, like all the grooves are pretty competitive, so that should be really fun when we have our track heating up too. Um, and it's just really bumpy. It's small enough too to not really be a cookie cutter. So I'm really looking forward to Kentucky. Um, and my biggest gripe really with the schedule was us only going to two short tracks. So we've already been to Richmond and we're going to Bristol and Bristol's already going to be tough. I mean, we all know how Bristol is historically here. Um, so only having two or short, two short tracks and we've been to two super speedways. We're going to two road courses. I just feel like we should have some more, uh, short tracks thrown in there. And we have basically probably 60% of our schedule with just big mile and a half or bigger tracks. So I'd really like to see some more shorter tracks like New Hampshire, Dover, just throw them on in. But um, hopefully we can get a little bit different schedule for next year. And I think we've been talking about maybe getting some races added. So that would be really neat. Yeah. Let's talk about the new package a little bit and how has it affected your racing uh, you feel like you're better or worse. I mean, last year, obviously, you were very competitive, and the year before, uh, you, you see, you're obviously you know leading the points now. It doesn't seem to have affected you, but it's totally different. I mean, I went out on Kansas for my first laps today, and I was like getting into the corner, and I lift, and I'm like, because I lift because that's what you do. But then I realized I don't need to lift. There's no horsepower here. Yeah, it's the, the new package has been crazy. Um... I want to chalk it up to being just really fortunate so far this year, which I have, um, especially at the two plate tracks. But it's, I mean, it's really hard to explain. Like you still see most of the same guys up there, but it, it's just, it's so much different. It's miles different than before. So, I mean, we've still putting in all the hard work that we do every single week and we're still running well, but it's just, it's so much different. The racing is so much different and it's like, it's all track position based now versus before it's like, it's just so hard to explain. It's just a different dynamic with which us just being draft locked for five to ten laps, basically anywhere we go. And we're going to Charlotte in two weeks, and that's a nighttime race, so we're really going to be gripped up. I think we're already full throttle for over ten laps in testing. So um, just it's it's really crazy, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, and NASCAR is right at this point in the season where – the race has kind of gone good and they haven't gone good. And the next couple of weeks are going to be important for NASCAR and this package. Are they going to keep it? Are they going to go a different direction? And so I think everything's kind of in limbo right now. So we'll see. It's interesting that we're running the same stuff. Uh, tell us about next uh, question is the draft. This is new. Uh, you guys have never had a draft before when it came up at the beginning of the season uh, and you, you know, what was that about, and, and how was you? How did you feel about that when you know flip side tactics ended up being the one? And um, tell us uh, how five star racing fits in. I know we've heard that recently, and uh, and then the other part of that question is: there any sponsor crossover there to your real life racing? Uh, late models for you or or Timmy and what he's doing in the truck? Um, there's been no crossover for the. Uh, real life racing that we do but i did i did really think that was an interesting uh pick for Flipside that they got both of the real life drivers i thought that was really smart on their part um just to have and uh i mean the draft was cool i mean it was just a really cool deal with all the nascar teams and the esports teams so definitely really grateful to be a part of the first 24 drivers that were drafted um but as far as what they do or most of the teams do for the drivers it's not they're not really involved with behind the scenes. They're just a basically cover for 
all the spectators to identify them as a, you know, Roush, Gibbs, whatever teams are involved, just to have, like, an extra dynamic there for the broadcast um, and the esports scene, really. So they're not really involved with what we do back on the setup side with, like I said, everybody at FSR. So everyone at FSR works on the setups, and, I mean, other teams, Inex, Slip Angle, they're still behind the scenes. Um, but, like, me and Garrett are teammates, but he's on Renegades and I'm on Flipside, but we're still basically teammates, more, right. much more so than me and Timmy are. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I like, I talked to Hector Rosario. He's the owner of Flipside. I talked to him um, usually after each race, talked to him for a little bit and just let him know what's going on, but that's pretty much it. All right. Yeah, we love that paint job with the uh, neon colors on it. That oh, really sure. is sharp. Uh, and we've been loving seeing it up front, and uh, we'll talk about the race in a little bit, uh, the last one here. Uh, first, ha- having worked with so many different setup builders over the years, uh, how how much does that play into your success? You've always seemed to have been successful whenever you're working with different people. Um, it's very important, um, but there's, I think there's enough setup people out there, and every team kind of has a couple um, or if you, I mean, if you're really forced to and you don't really have anyone to go to, you just kind of have to bite the bullet and put in a ton of time. Um, but yeah, it's it's really important to have a setup guy for sure. I mean, I think we've all seen Ray not really have the best start to the year, and it's been one, a little bit of bad luck, and two, they just haven't found the speed. And especially when you'll see something like this happen is when we have a new build, and it basically just throws everyone back to square one, and one team's going to find it out really quick, and one team's going to take a little bit longer. So towards the end of the year, I'm pretty sure you'll see you know, everyone get faster and finally hit the nail on the head. But as soon as the build changes, you see a couple teams struggle and a couple teams really just you know, start dominating. All right, very good. What about up-and-coming racers? There's a lot of people in the road to pro. Uh, working their way up to where you guys are at at peak, um, what would be your advice to them? Any setups, driving, computer settings, how to practice, anything? Um, hmm, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, know, I see, like, I watch the Road to Pro races, and I just see a lot of the guys, they're just being so aggressive, right? And it's like, I watch these people making these moves, and it's like, you, all you have to do is make top 20, right, to get to the next to get to road or to get to the pro series in the B car. It's like, just know what you're racing for and don't really put yourself in the position that you don't need to be. Um, Cause there's, there's no prize for winning the championship. All you have to do is make top 20. So just yeah, keep that points in mind race. basically. Yeah. Just points race and just not wreck really. And that's what I tell I'm on uh, Derek Bordeaux is my spotter for peak and we've been teammates for a long time now. And I try to get in there and, you know, help them stay calm. But the other thing, too, is you have to qualify well. I tell them that every week it's track position, track position, track position. If you're up in the top five, you're racing with the other fast cars, they're not going to be prone to be that aggressive, you know, unless, like, you're running 20th. You can just get caught up in something that's not your fault, nothing you could have done about it. So I've always been about qualifying as well as you can and keeping your track position. All right, very good. Uh, Great uh, advice there. Uh, tell us about, you know, what you're doing on social media, where can fans find you? Are you on Twitch? Uh, that kind of thing. And then any teammates, uh, crew chief spotters you want to recognize or talk about and thank. Um, so my Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash flying Ryan Luza. Um, I stream every, every, I guess every Tuesday. Um, 
one Tuesday is the peak race that I stream. And then the other Tuesday, I stream when I'm spotting uh, Derek Bordeaux. I wouldn't really call it spotting. I don't like spotting because that's too much pressure. But I'll just try to give them some advice or you know let them know what lines move in, try to keep them calm, something like that. So um, you can follow me on Twitch. I try to stream more, but it hasn't been so much as of late. Um, and just thanks to everyone on FSR, um, Jared Crawford, Michael Vanistall, Trent Ringler, Brian Ammerman, everyone over there. There's a lot of guys. Cody Knapp Miller, and then everyone over at the team. We have an alliance with those guys. So that's Justin Bolton, Dylan Duvall, and uh, Cody Bias. All right. Boy, a bunch of heavy hitters you just named off there. Uh, but you're, you're a heavy hitter, too. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, well, let's talk about the peak race. But first, I'm going to talk about the SRA iRacers Lounge podcast series, Sunday Night Xfinity. Uh, that league sim racing authority ran... Uh, they went to battle at Martinsville. Benjamin Nelson took the pole with fellow peak driver Jake Nichols starting uh, on the outside. However, early on it was clear that Nick Northrup and Nichols were the class of the field. Northrup had the speed to give Nichols a run for his money and potentially take the win. Northrup took the stage one victory and went on to lead 69 laps, but it wasn't enough to stop Jake Nichols. Jake led 126 of 200 to take the fifth checkered flag of the season. After a setback from an incident with Nate Tetro, Northrop rallied to finish P2. Tetro bought his, brought his car home third after starting the race in 15th. Next week, we mix it up with some right turns at Interlagos, uh, host the penupulate race before the chase. Keep an eye on drivers such as Ethan Kurtz, Josh Robin, and Nate Tretto as they sit on the bubble to make the playoffs. And they are recruiting still. Uh, if you guys want to get in the middle, uh, they're in the middle of their series and they're still taking drivers. So check them out. Bunch of good drivers in there. Mike, are you taking lessons from Junior on pronouncing words? I guess so. I kind of <laughs> stumbled, uh, stumbled there. Well, let's talk about the peak race. Uh, first thing that we noticed, uh, Ryan, it wasn't a uh, a night race. <laughs> And kind of ex was expecting the night race, but uh, I have no idea why it was a day race. Now, Austin B Dillon was on the broadcast. Uh, and um, let's see, Keegan Leahy had the pole. Uh, Chris Sherman leads single file line early, and then there was a caution lap five. Uh, some people stayed out. There was another caution on lap 10. It was the big one. There were several drivers involved, Eric Smith, Conti, Zelensky. Uh, Jarl Tien takes the lead after that. Caution 14 uh, lap. Loser gets caught up with Casey Kerwin. And so what happened there? I have no idea. It looks like we lost Ryan. Oh, I'm here. I'm just... Oh, uh, you are. I don't want the mic keying up, guys. Yeah, it was just craziness. Like I said, on the restarts, everyone kind of sucks up together with the draft. And uh, ran out of room. Basically, we were three wide. Um, about 10th or so. And just... Got caught up in it. Nothing I could do. It was just wrong place, wrong time. But um, with all the good luck we've had this year, something was bound to happen. So not really too mad about it. But just that's the byproduct of this uh, build that we're having, at least for the first five to ten laps. Everyone's just so close together. Well, you've been kicking ass all year, and so you had a mulligan, and you just used it. <laughs> and you're oh, still sure. leading, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we're really lucky. I don't know how. I still have 40 points on second right now, but that was Keegan, I think, got caught up in something, too. So he ended up 29th, and Conti ended up, like, 25th or something like that. So we didn't really lose points to second and third, but what happened was the gap from fifth to eighth really changed a lot. So, um, 
we lost some points on the cutoff line, but still have a really healthy lead in the points, which is great. Yeah, I don't think you have any worries about missing the the playoff uh, thing. But uh, after that, uh, let's see, Novak uh, to the lead, lap 24. Now, Zach, uh, if I, now I was kind of watching this while I was at work on my iPhone, uh, on Twitch, and it's kind of hard to follow on the small screen with no audio, but I was trying to. And what I was seeing was uh, he was running down at the bottom, everybody else was at the top, and he was just passing people, and he just made his way up there. He, you know, he did a great job. The other thing I noticed was... Uh, at the beginning, at the res on the restarts, everyone was packed up and they were like three wide and doing all this crazy stuff. But then shortly after that, it would string out pretty much a single file. And then there was a long green flag run. Uh, green flag looked to the race. Uh, Michael Guest was up there with uh, Zach Novak, uh, Garrett Lowe, Bl Blake Reynolds having top five runs that uh, those guys desperately needed. Um, but Zach Novak from Roush Fenway brings home the checkered flag. Uh, all right, what else uh, do we want to cover on the peak race? I mean, it was a because of the long green flag and and you know everyone getting strung out. Uh, you know, it was kind of hard to follow on the phone, and it wasn't like it was the week before as far as the action goes. But what do you guys think? I think the the race obviously didn't live up to the hype from the uh, videos that were posted the couple days before but it still was a it came down to an interesting battle um with fuel strategy which we haven't seen a big fuel strategy run like that this season so it was nice to see a little bit of a change but obviously it wasn't the most exciting race but i enjoyed watching it for uh, what it was did they have a different announcer i thought i heard somebody different but i'm not sure um, I'm pretty sure Evan was gone. Um, is that what it had, was? They had Tim um, taking over the lead role, so it was it was normally Tim, Evan, and Randy, I believe. Um, and I think Evan was just gone, so it was just two announcers, unless they pulled someone in, which I'm not 100% sure on. But I'm pretty sure it was just uh, Tim Terry taking the lead role for the night. Okay, yeah, I I think that's what it was. Maybe I was just missing Evan because Evan is so great at what he does. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's what I heard differently. Evan wasn't there. Uh, so get back Evan. He's, uh, definitely the backbone of that, uh, the, that group, but they did a great job without him actually. So, um, from what I heard, I got to hear the last part of the race, uh, audio as well. So, all right, let's jump into topics. Uh, Greg, how to save tires. All right. So obviously, uh, Ryan, you've seen, probably seen this post, um, our, uh, friendly, uh, uh, friend John Hammer um, raised a question. He goes, hey, I ask, he wanted me to ask Ryan. Um, he generates the most consistent and best lap time uh, graph of any of the peak drivers uh, this season. Everyone else in the server generates a, a, a sort of wave in the graph. Uh, Lusa doesn't exhibit the same spikes or peaks in slowdown times, which is unlike anyone else. He is able to go fast on the same tires uh, at certain moments in the race that others at the exact time track location are going slower, with raised, which raises their lap times. If you watch him drive, you can see the car control. It's actually quite astonishing if you spend enough time watching replays of it. He's obviously is a student of the tire uh, previous contributions to an article for a blog about IR tires uh, 
blog is gone, but the Internet Wayback Machine might help you find it. Uh, Ryan, did you see this post? Yeah, I think I went over it. I was trying to think a way just to explain this. Um, I think the the most important factor with like what what he's bringing up and like a lap time chart is honestly just running order. So in the peak race, we have more cars than any other series, right? So the track's going to heat up a lot more. Um, and we have the most dirty air interference, you know, if you're running fifth to 10th, um, and this year, you know, qualifying well, just running well in general, if you're in the lead, you're going to have the best times, right? And you're going to have less traffic to deal with, less stuff like that. So I would probably contribute it to just where I'm running on the track. Um, because I mean, everyone in peak is extremely good. Yes. So like even testing when I was on a team with Jarl, um, our times in testing were very, very similar, if not him being faster than me. Um, I may have just a little bit better wear, but it's not really, I think a lot of people now, like the tire wear isn't as important. I don't know if you guys have noticed running. It's not so much tire saving now. If you tire save early, it's not like you, it comes back to you or anything. Um, so I think it's really just where you're running at on the track. And if you have, if you have the best track position, the track's not as hot. You know, if, if you're in first or you're in 30th, the track is a lot harder on the same lap for you because 30 cars just went over it in front of you. Um, so stuff like that and just qualifying well. Like like I was saying, the thing with me and Jarl, um, I had a really good start to the year and he didn't have so much of a great start to the year. And I just contribute that to a lot of qualifying. So in, in summary, you're saying that uh, due to your track position, your, your fall off on the data graph you're at the top of the list on the fall off charts, right? On data. And, and the reason that is, is because of the track position, right? Because you're up front and you know, that kind of thing, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good a explanation. Guys running, like the, most people run, do run a 16 to one ratio and what that does. I don't think Ray does, but it's so much easier just to a lot of the pressure off of your right front. Um, but I, most of the guys do run that, right? So it's hard. I can't really chalk it up as that. But just trying to never, never, never overheat, overheat your tires at you know a given time. Now, the squeal. Speaking of that, because obviously talking about the heat, I think I found when we were running Dover, um, you could. It was like an on and off switch. If if you heated up the tire. Um, coming off, I know Dover coming off the corner, you're not great anyways, but at Dover, I was finding that for some reason, one of the rear tires would heat up and then all of a sudden one lap, it was so unpredictable what it was going to do coming out. And then in a couple laps down the, uh, the road, it was, you know, a lot better. Like, is, is that what you guys are finding? Are you saying like the longer the run goes, it was better for you? Well, it's it was varying. Like if I ran it hard one lap, then it would I'd pay for it, for oh, yes, like for trying sure. to catch to pass somebody. Like you know, if somebody was running the high line and I'm on the bottom trying to get it to come off the corner, I'm heating it up, and then all of a sudden the next time I'm by myself, it all of a sudden doesn't do what I want it to do. Yeah, I mean, if you if you really do rip that, say it works for both tires. If you rip the right front, just really overdriving a corner you're gonna pay for it for a lap or two or even just later into the run um but yeah especially the track like dover drive off the corner is super important if you do buzz that right rear tire coming up over the hill you're gonna pay for it for a couple laps because 
what you don't realize is you just heated up that right rear tire about 30 degrees in that one corner and it takes a takes a while to really cool off yeah but in, in these nis races that we run all the time when there's a caution every 20 laps uh, you run it hard because you know there's a caution in 20 laps. You don't have to save a tire for for a long run. For sure, and that's that's one of the reasons why like I haven't in the past raced as much. You know, it's just it's such a privilege to run with all the guys in peak, right? Not not many people get the chance to do that. Um, so it's just kind of the elite group of guys, and most of us respect each other and race really well around each other. So I just really fortunate to be able to race in a group like that. Have, I got you know have the races that we do have yeah and i gotta tell you what you guys are getting it done uh this year in the peak races i can't believe some of the racing i've seen the quality of the product that i'm seeing is awesome it's better than nascar now it mimics nascar very well but it, it's it's better in some circumstances uh you guys are putting on a hell of a show yeah it's been it's been really great so far well, all right. Well, thanks for coming on and talking. Let's keep going into topics. Uh, the next few are quick ones. Tony, uh, we got Scuba, life hack. Yeah, and, uh, I raced and posted a video on uh, Twitter about uh, Sakuba, um open wheel car uh, cutting the course. Uh, uh, wow, he, he kind of slid out uh, accidentally and somehow made it through a little entry in the wall, which was kind of like a... I guess a back entrance to pit road or something. Yeah, I've never ran the track. Um, it looks like he went from uh, just cutting a big corner all the way back to the start finishing line. Um, would that be a black flag or would that be a, a slowdown? Uh, boy, I would guess black flag. Now, I've fooled around on this track. I haven't found that particular thing. But they have a small uh, oval in the inside of this track that you really can't get to. And I was, like, driving around trying to find an entrance to it, and I never could. Yeah, definitely have to try that later. Yeah, so, guys, check out that track and see if you can find the little hidden entrance to uh, shortcut the track. Uh, next up, we had an announcement here uh, from Brigade Esports. Uh, they announced their first driver in the Peak Series, Casey Tucker, is driving the 19 Ford uh, Brigade Esports uh car and uh we saw casey tucker on uh twitter talking about it and i think we're going to try to get casey on the show as well and, and see if he'll uh talk uh come on the show and we'll talk to casey tucker but need, need to see another team uh getting another driver there you think uh, by the end of the season everyone's going to get uh picked up or what it's pretty cool how they made a video and everything for it too like that's pretty good uh, promotional uh, way to really, you know, release the car. Yeah, pretty neat to uh, have that happen. I bet it was a big surprise for him. I'm sure all the drivers are enjoying the support they're getting because we've seen we've covered quite a few articles on the the hardware and uh, social media support that these guys are getting. All right, uh, Greg. Next is an iRacing legends to winning at Mid Ohio. So congratulations to Dylan Murray and Dakota Dick. Uh, Dickerson um, and MLT Motorsports on their victory at Mid-Ohio. I guess this was on the weekend, right? Uh, yeah, May 6th. Um, posted on Facebook, on Iris's page here with uh, Facebook. Uh, took a victory at Mid-Ohio, at Mid which is not a 
easy track. So uh, congratulations, guys, and uh, keep up the good work. So they sponsor, and I didn't know they sponsored these guys, but Dylan Murray is the uh, Legends car driver, and he's got uh, iRacing sponsorship on the side of his car in the back, and uh, he won. And then they have the, uh, looks like a, what kind of car is that, David? Is that an LMP or what? I'm sorry, I was getting ready for my article, so I can pull it yeah, up. Yeah, it uh, looks like an LMP car. Uh, I think this was the IMSA race. I'm not but sure what car it that is. I'll looks, look it up. It's either an LMP or an LM, LMP1 or LMP2. Yeah, it's definitely a, a Le Mans prototype or Daytona prototype. Yeah. If it's then, IMSA, it's a Daytona prototype. And uh, they have iRacing uh, sponsorship. They have it up on the wing in a pretty nice uh, pronounced way, a pretty good spot, very visible. But uh, I like to see iRacing sponsoring real racers, and that's pretty cool. Uh, quite a diversity there. And nice to see them in, uh, you know, victory lane. LMP3 is what they're saying here, so. There you go. So that's um, even that's slower than the one that we run at Daytona, the C7. Yeah, these are like, I think this is like an off division of all the IMSA stuff. All right, David, do we know what TCR we are getting? Uh, the report or the response by staff was put out in on uh, May sixth, I believe. It's a, uh, it is going to be the Audi. Uh, and I had I scrolled down too far. Where did it's they... the Audi RS three LMS? Yeah. That's the one. And it won't make the June build, but they are going to put it out uh, mid build if it's done. Well, that's actually not a bad thing because it probably will come the week after. Week thirteen or whatever. Yeah, I'm which not what sure. I would be guessing if it just it says, but it's not going to miss by much. So I'm guessing a couple weeks. All right. Uh, next up, World of Outlaw at Eldora. Uh, all four of the season's race winners: uh, Ryan, Tim Ryan, uh, James Edens, and points leader Alex Bergeron and Chase Cabray started in the top four spots thanks to heat victories, uh, and uh, and so on. And so anyway, what happened is Tim Ryan actually. Uh, won the race and I didn't get to watch this so I didn't get a lot of uh, information about it uh, Alex Bergeron is still the points leader though man that looks like a competitive series it is I've had fun watching it I just haven't had time this week I am going to go back and check that out though all right David we got an update um, from Tony Gardner about what we're going to be seeing in the build yep build is coming up not too far away, and a lot of people are excited. One of the big ticket items is going to be the Pro 2 and Pro 4 trucks are coming out. They have the Wild West and Wild Horse tracks coming out. Apparently, you can buy the two for the price of one. Um, and in the process of getting ready for these trucks, they've improved the dirt particle effects that's going to carry over to all dirt track racing, not just the new trucks. Um, they also are going to be working on February Speedway, but it's not going to make the June build. They're, they expect they should have it out by September. They're looking at Lindergar Speedway. It's also being worked on. It's a place outside of Pittsburgh. It's a, it's it hosts the World of Outlaws as well. It's that's Mason's home track, so he was he's probably pretty excited about that. They have a lot of other tracks that have already been signed, and they just have to be working on built. They're also working on an, a their first uh, purpose built rallycross track. Now wait a minute. What does that mean? purpose built so they're making one up a fantasy track i'm afraid i don't know this is uh i don't either i, uh, yeah. I that one kind of i was just going to ask about that does that so does what that do mean you guys it was think a rally course a track? track 
Is it a it's, fantasy track or is it a rally course track that was designed to be a rally course track where some of the others may have been extensions of other tracks? It, it's it's the wrong wording, I'm guessing. It, purpose right. built is an odd word to use for. It's either, is it a real life track that it is or is it a made up imagination that they're making from scratch? Like it, purpose built doesn't, obviously it means that it's going to be a rally cross track and only a rally cross track. I see. But that's probably it. But purpose built is just kind of the, it's an odd way of writing it. All right, continue. Uh, it, they're hoping to have the Mustang in Silverado by June. It's not a guarantee though. They're also looking at the, a new NASCAR modified all new car that was scanned from the 2018 champion Justin Basignore. It probably isn't pronounced like that, but um, I'm taking lessons from Junior on pronunciations as well. Uh, if you own the old one, you get this the you get the SK and the tour versions free, and it's going to be used in a 2019 Ignite series. And probably the biggest news that was dropped is green white checkers are on what? the way. Fingers crossed. NASCAR overtime, baby. Yeah, overtime about time, right? Woo. Now the I was I read or we I heard us talking about this on our messenger last night. I don't want to be. It's going to be a crazy to have finally have it finished the way it should be finished. But I just think there's a, I, could you just see some of the problems it's going to create, like even coding wise, like we already have sometimes have the pace car glitch and I just have a feeling there's going to be some sort of glitch in there that something either race doesn't finish properly or something like that. That's what I just have in it, but that's just me, but I, it'll be nice to have green, white checkers though. I think I'm excited about it. When I first saw that, I was like happy. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'm, you know, I've kind of been waiting for that for a long time. You know what it also does is it makes those fuel mileage races even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, D and the you other take part, a little extra? When you were just talking, Greg, I was thinking about, okay, green-white checker situation on uh, Atlanta and of course, if we're going to stay out, we're not going to pit for tires and then the wheels spin. And you, like you said, if somebody wrecks before we even get to the, the line, you know what happens. Everyone gets a lap down and all this nonsense, right? But that lap down bug, that only occurs on the very first uh, ca caution. If okay. it happens before before the we actually get to lap one. No, it happens every time if you don't do it. Oh, my mistake then. That definitely, uh, if it happened late, could jack things up. So the last uh, few things was uh, one 2019 Xfinity car is done, but for some reason are waiting to scan all of them. Um, they're having a good conversation with NASCAR to make the process easier in the future. Uh, the is, F1, yeah, the F-150 is definitely a no for the truck. So basically they're redoing all the Xfinity cars probably to make them really brought up to like what the standards of the Camaro was brought up to and then, then probably the Mustang. And they're also probably because of the, the composite bodies now too, right? Right. Well, yeah, you're right. It's the composite bodies, yeah. So I don't know if the, how that's going to change the, how the car looks, you know, in our game, but I don't know. So the last one was uh, somebody asked about supercars content and they said, we'll get news on that next week, actually. I think the other cool thing was the NASCAR Modified. That's an oval pavement car. I actually own that, I believe. Uh, kind of neat that they're updating it, and uh, and they're going to do it for free. I think that's cool. 
All right, Jesse, Dirt Pro qualifying update. Yeah, we got a post on the 7th of May, and it's an iRacer staff account, so not a certain individual. And it says, it is not a violation to race whenever one chooses to race. We encourage members to get together and make high-rated races. Everyone on the service is welcome to join. But it is a violation to manually manipulate the results in order to maximize points for the week and should be filed as a protest accordingly. This is about the pro-qualifying side. So guys trying to go ahead and get a real low participation middle of the night scenario and get their buddy in on a really high strength of field is not an option. Yep, but yep. The option is to, it, like you just said, is to not, it's basically a 100% rule. If it looks like you're, you're manipulating <laughs> the race, um, you can throw a protest. Well, right, if you're letting rule. a certain person win, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when they came out with that rule. That was such a bad rule. Well, effectively, that's what they're announcing here. We do have a 100% rule, you know, and uh, obviously it's got to be blatant, though, you know. Like, I mean, obviously you're saying blatant. Like, how do you, I mean, if it's everybody in there, the only way they could catch it is if someone's in there that's going to be, that's not liking what's going on. Usually if they're trying to, from what we've learned, this has happened before and it's, it's from a, it's all the same people getting in the same room that have one common goal to help somebody, right? Yeah, 30 people get in a room and one of them stays on the track and does 30 laps and the rest of them park and he wins the race and he gets all the, uh, the I rating and all the points. Well, it only takes one sour grape in the room to put the protest in. All right, so it's common sense, but anyway, they did kind of clarify that. I thought we'd bring it up. Tony, uh, week nine super session. Yeah, the week nine super session here is uh, going to be the super late model at uh, New Smyrna. Um, the super uh, the the session is going to be at eighteen fifteen uh, Green Mountain time, which is about two fifteen Eastern. Um, Five hundred ups for grabs, and uh, go get it. All right, I would be doing it if I was not working. Uh, Greg, we've announced the second season of the eNASCAR Ignite Series. Yes, and it kicks off June 13th uh, with some of the best 13 to 16-year-old racers competing in a mixed race format in two different classes of vehicle en route to the championship. Now, the top 50 drivers will advance uh, to five race playoff, and the championship bracket includes uh, included at the virtual Martins... Uh, virtual Martin Speedway in September, or concludes, sorry, at Virtual Martinsville Speedway in September. Uh, each regular season race will, uh, again, utilize legend cars. Uh, the E NASCAR Ignite Series Championship will receive a prize package that includes $10,000 racing scholarship and a real-world test drive or test day in both a NASCAR Pinty Series car with uh, Canada's best racing team and a U.S. Legends car or a car vehicle which uh, could lead to more real-world racing experience as well as an additional prize. What? You get to win a Legends car? That's awesome. Even to come up and race those Pinty, Pinty Series cars would be an interesting one to do. Yeah. So you get, and the, to use the 10000 bucks with the Legends car, so you got 10000 to buy, you know, gas and tires. 
and go racing, man. That's awesome. It says a racing scholarship. So you right. got to use it for school? No, I think that's good to go real racing. That's what it's for. So the eight weeks of qualifying rounds uh, in the U.S. Legends car, Charlotte Motor Speedway will host the first qualifying round on June 13th, while New Smyrna uh, Speedway will host the final qualifying event on August 1st. The top 50 drivers will qualifying uh, after qu- the qualifying rounds will be invited to the playoffs, which begins on August 8th at Richmond International Raceway. For the first time ever, playoff-eligible playoff drivers will move up to iRacing iRacing's newly created uh, NASCAR wheel and modified tour car to compete for the 2019 championship. The top 30 uh, finishers will advance to the final race at Martinsville Speedway on September 12th, uh, culminating with a 16-car, 100-lap event to determine the championship. Wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, what's neat about it, this year, they're switching cars. They're going to the Wheeland Modified Tour car um, away from the Legends uh, for the uh, playoff portion. So that's kind of interesting. Is that to try and maybe throw a, a kind of a little bit of a wrench into it? Make it, uh, or are those, are those, those aren't fixed setups, are they? I can't remember from, are they fixed racing or is it I don't open? know. I don't know. But I think it's kind of maybe the idea is step up series. You know, you start in Legends and then you're into, you know, Modifieds, you know, and that's also a NASCAR, you know, sanctioned series and whatnot. And, and then, Remind- they, yeah, they also talked about Zach Novak, who obviously won the peak race, but he was the uh, Ignite series and the uh, winner in the first season, right? Well, look where it can get you, right? Right. Get you yeah, right he's up. winning peak races. He, uh, this kind of format, the way that iRacing is doing this, kind of reminds me. Well, reminds me of the old uh, NASCAR e, uh, EA Sports NASCAR games, where they used to have the wheel and modified, where you'd start in your career mode and work your way up until you got a contract into NASCAR. You got through all the series, so it's kind of cool that we're doing that now. Yeah, uh, I remember well, one of yeah, the first well NASCAR games I had. You actually could sign sponsors and had a budget as your as your cars that you could put into uh, researching different parts of the program. Well, I think, uh, you know, kudos to iRacing and NASCAR for continuing this. I think it was a success for the youth. Remember, 13 to 16 years old. And if you're out there and you're a listener and you're one in that age group, go for it, man. What do you have to lose? All right, let's keep going. I got the next one. Another world record by guess who? Max Verstappen. Uh, he actually set uh, the F3 record at road atlanta in iRacing this week uh he ran a 111 845 and so uh they put up a video of it on the iRacing twit uh twitter handle uh check that out uh he is uh the man man how do you beat max verstappen if he ever got uh the right ride in real life i mean he does ride for red bull but they just don't have the horsepower with that car but Man, he can wheel a car. He would have some champion. I bet you he'd have a championship if he had the equipment behind him. Okay, next we're going to turn to our network engineer, Jesse. Uh, update on the down-under latency problem. Yeah, we got a post yesterday from Randy Cassidy, and it says, we're in discussions with various network operators to see if there's a way that we can ensure that barring maintenance or a cable cut, your traffic to the U.S. server farm will still use segment D of the Southern Cross cable system, eliminating that 
40 millisecond penalty. Yeah, so he's talking about latency and what they've determined is there's a 40 millisecond uh, latency that they're getting if their traffic's routed one way versus another. And so it's a very interesting read if you're interested in how the internet it works and the backbone of the internet. Uh, Randy does a, a fabulous job of describing how it works, but uh, there's actually pipes in the oceans that uh, bring the, the internet signal uh, you know, from continent to continent. And he was saying that here in the United States that it comes up on the wet U.S. West Coast. Uh, there's one in Morro Bay, California. That's between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And there's one farther no north up in Nadano Beach, uh, which is near Portland, Oregon. And so if the Oregon landing, if, if it goes to the Oregon side, it actually adds 25 milliseconds in latency than if it goes to the southern uh, entry into the United States. And I'm talking about the internet pipelines. And so they're working on a way to try to figure out how to route it uh, through the other way. There is a comment on there too where he says this is mainly for the uh, Australian yes. side. So the traffic that's coming from Australia is coming through the Pacific Ocean to the U.S. West Coast. There's two entries, Portland and down in south of San Francisco. And so if it comes in the south of San Francisco, that's the best way. But if it comes in on the Portland side, they're getting the delay. So that's the problem. So hopefully they'll get it fixed. Uh, Tony, free setups? Yeah, uh, Dustin Hall in the forums posted... Uh, we can't think of a better way to celebrate and recognize the one-year anniversary of our team and website than by holding a true to one of our basic principles of giving back to the public. To express their appreciation of all the support you've given us, we are offering, uh, for Kansas, a few options for the B-car setup and for a truck setup. Um, if you go to their website, uh, www.esport.com, racinggroup.com um hang on just a second and under team resources on the main page there's a big link that says kansas setups and you can get three setups yeah i think we've talked about their website before they have a pretty slick looking website uh but uh yeah go check it out man all right david uh silverstone update delayed again Okay, we don't have a whole lot of details about this as the link to the forums that, that apparently had this post has vanished. Uh, apparently they're resurfacing the track and uh, probably means it's delayed and probably won't make the June build. Right, so they there was a post about it and we had information about it and then they yanked the post. So I'm not sure if it went south or uh, all those uh, British guys... Uh, lost their cool or what but uh yeah they got rid of the post all right jesse classic nascar series yeah it looks like there's uh talks and uh you can actually vote on this whether or not you uh would like to do a throwback or a as they're calling it a 2018 low do downforce car official series there's quite a few comments on it kind of going back and forth between uh whether or not that's in the best interest or whether or not it's going to kind of divide the uh, community and the participation as it is between, like, say, NIS and, and the ACAR. Now you're going to have the opportunity to run an older throwback style. Um, yeah, you can you can vote on it. And there, 
seems to be a lot of talk both ways, good and bad, about it. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in doing something along the lines. So it's just some guy hoping for this. It doesn't mean that iRacing is actually considering it. I would think that they wouldn't because they're such in the back pocket of NASCAR, and NASCAR would not want this. I mean, NASCAR is trying to promote the current package. They're using iRacing to help with that, I think. Uh, and I think it, you know, this, this thread is a two weeks too soon. Like I said earlier, uh, NASCAR has to get through Kansas and Charlotte and see if this package is going to survive uh, or if they're going to have to change it. And I think after that, if, they, if, you know, if, if it turns out it's not what we thought it was, maybe this is a good idea because uh, we'll have to see how NASCAR reacts. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would say no to this. but I suggest just because <laughs> I was better in that car than I am in this one so far. That's the only reason I said it. I miss that car. I mean, I, when I, like I said, when I went to Kansas today and I went in a turn one the first time, I lifted because I'm thinking 750 horsepower. But, God, I didn't have to lift. I miss, I miss the having to, you know, break, use the brake. You're right. It, that's, it's the getting into the corner the way, instead of just lifting and, and go coasting around the corner and getting on into it as fast as you can, I, I miss the roll through the center and get off the corner because you had to use the brakes to get in there. Okay. Tony, tell us about Tifosi All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we came up with a good idea since there's no NIS next weekend. Um, we're going to hold two races, uh, Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to do a fun race, uh, 72 laps at Talladega with the old COT car. So that no means plate. You, no plate. So you're going to be doing 233 miles by yourself and a lot more in the, the draft. And 244. And yep. Dr uh, lifting and everything else. Then uh, Sunday, we're going to hold an all-star race at Charlotte with the cup cars. Uh, it's going to be 92 laps. There's going to be four stages. Um, rules to follow uh, next weekend or next uh, podcast. Um, practice will start about an hour and a half earlier or before the race. Uh, so tell your friends. Uh, come hang out with us. So these will be in hosted. These will be open rooms. First come, first serve. Yep. Uh, look for the iRacers Lounge or look for my name, uh, Tony Rochette, as the host. So, uh, yeah. Come on in. Yeah, come race with us, guys. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to do some uh, photographs of the team uh, all you know, stacked up next to each other and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, we want to race with our listeners. We've had a good time doing this in the past, so jump out there. All right, let's get into hardware, software. Uh, iRacing with a mouse. Uh, so there was a post in here about iRacing with a mouse, and... Uh, you know, there's reasons that people do it, you know, and they're usually like physical disabilities and that kind of thing. Um, and so this guy, uh, you know, showed us a, a YouTube video of how he does it. And you can actually see his hand uh, on the mouse. Uh, he has it kind of in the corner. Um, and he does a great job uh, using a mouse. Now, I know a guy that, that used to be on this podcast for a long time who uses a controller. And he's an amazing driver with the controller. So it can be done. One of my old teammates way back in the R-Factor days, uh, our best setup guy, in fact, uh, was very disabled. He can just kind of barely, couldn't even really lift his hands, but he could turn them. And he actually had a hand controller with a trigger for the throttle. 
and and there's just a hand controller that he could turn with his other hand just kind of left and right uh, and um he was as fast as any of us yeah. he's i'm just watching the video here he's very very smooth with that control like i thought you know he's obviously got the mouse setting pretty good at the right sensitivity for him to turn in and not be jerky with it but it's he's very smooth and and he's obviously you know probably played around with this for a while to get it right but you know good job on that because you know there's always you know people that have disabilities or anything would love to be able to still race if they you know got a reason to do it right they got something they can do it with he's actually using two mice uh <laughs> you know, he's using one to steer and I think the other one for gas and throttle, it looks like. Or gas and brake. All right, well, check that out. Uh, Valve Index VR. David, what is this about? Well, they are now available for pre-order and it looks like the ship date is set for August 31st. I couldn't pull up a whole lot of specs on it, um, but it does look like they have hand controllers. There's cameras on the front, but they also offer tracking bases that you can purchase as well now according to some of the research i read on one of our other hardware pieces tracking is not like super sensitive tracking is not the biggest concern in iRacing as it is if say you're trying to play a sword game or or something along those lines uh so i don't know if you have to buy those bases or not and and have it still be functional looks like buying the base headset and controllers is about a thousand dollars five hundred for people who already have the Vive or the Vive Pro. Okay. So why is it cheaper if you already have the Vive or Vive Pro? I don't get it. Good question. Don't know the answer. Could okay. it be a marketing ploy to try and get the people away from that brand? So like you already have this, you don't use this now instead of using the Vive. It's kind of taking them away from the, that market. Yeah, it could that's be. The, that's the only thing I can think of being... But it is on pre-order. I've seen people on the forums uh, excited about this unit, so we'll see uh, what people say about it. All right, Tony, the Avenger. Yeah, uh, we got uh, the Avenger 2, which is a uh, 180-degree FOV uh, dark projection surface. Um, it's designed for high-end immersed gaming and comfort. Um, pretty much what it looks like is just like... Um, a triples but it's all just one screen one smooth um, uh, screen with no you know seams yep and you can get it for the low low price of 1280 uh new zealand dollars or an american 843 dollars and 27 cents that's quite that affordable bad. yeah i was gonna say that's pretty affordable and and but there's a way to mount projectors to it with it see and Scroll down thing... and, yeah, look at the uh, dimension, the drawings of it. You'll see at the top, it has a thing that kind of sticks out above where you can mount a projector to actually project onto this. So basically, that's just, okay, so that's just a screen. So obviously, you need the projector, too, which is a lot more. Yeah, so the kit is, uh, it's got the projection surface, which is black. It's got the frame, which is a stand as well. And then it's got the projector mounts and holder. So it's so, everything but the projectors. Takes at a, just at a glance at the blueprints, it looks like uh, two projectors is what it uses? Yeah, two, I think. Yeah, because there's this thing here about having the sim pit uh, software. Yeah, uh, so that warp mixes software. it, yeah. 
So it's um, not as affordable when you take that into consideration as it, it with it being just literally the screen. Yeah, because the projectors are not cheap, right? They're a good one's what a thousand probably each. Sometimes more. I, I'm thinking it's probably at least a thousand for right. probably what are they talking about? And then the probably software. 4K. Yeah, it looks like 385 New Zealand there. So you got to have software to mix the two projectors together, so to speak, the signal. Uh, but it's kind of a neat, uh, neat thing. Um, New Zealand. So the website is simpit.co.nz. Okay, next up. I made a big choice this week, guys. I bought a DD1 and a wheel to go with it. I spent $1,440. I went through the process of what wheel am I going to choose? I actually posted a forum post about AccuForce V3, which isn't even a real thing. I was just asking, is AccuForce going to make a version 3 wheel? Should I wait for it? Uh, There was speculation in the forums about it, but uh, there's nothing concrete at all that says that they're actually going to put something out. So I looked at the AccuForce V2, um, and, you know, I talked to David a lot about what his decisions were, and he was very helpful. Um, and, And so there were a lot of considerations. So option A was... I was going to wait for the SimiCube 2 because they announced their bases, but they haven't announced wheels and software really. But they're going to in the coming days or weeks. Um, but I was thinking it might end up being more than I want to eventually spend. Uh, option B, wait for the rumored AccuForce v- version 3. But again, it might be more money than I would probably want to spend. Uh, option C, get that DD1 with the rim before May 7th uh, for that $1,400. Now, why? Because they permanently increased the price of the DD1 by $200 on May 7th. And if you bought it before then, you got it for a cheaper rate, the pre-sale rate. Um, or option D, get the AccuForce V2, uh, which was $1,000, and that comes with a wheel. And so that product is about two years old. It doesn't have, it's seven nanometers less than the DD1. And so for $400 more, I decided to go with Fanatec with the DD1. Uh, It was a hard decision, but I think I got a good deal. What do you guys think? It was my recommendation to you, though, from the get-go. Welcome to the dark side. (laughs) I was going to say, welcome to the family. Yeah, I got the big oval wheel with the universal hub. And so that was 400 bucks for that, 100 for the wheel, 300 for the hub. And it doesn't I'm, ship till mid-August. I'm enjoying my direct drive. Uh, I, I've had a w- weird problem with it I, that I, I'm not sure what the cause of it might be, but I've, I've made sure to go ahead and update the drivers. And the other possibility is um, that... Um, it's just not going to work with a movable desk drawer and the, j- the jarring of it is causing it to reset. In, but it keeps going into compatibility mode. Well, it's done it twice and it did it right at the end of the NIS race. But otherwise, I'm very happy with it. It feels like it's easier to catch the car when it actually already gets out of control. You can feel it, but it also it's easier to not overcorrect. And that's what some of the re- that's what a lot of the reviews that I've been hearing is is uh, it's it's much it's a sooner response so you can save it sooner from what uh, I've been reading is you're, you're feeling, you're feeling it a lot sooner than what you 
wood on any other wheel. Now, there was a few times at Kansas, uh, our set is loose early. Uh, it was a great long run, but it is loose early if you, if you turn it just a little bit too much. There was a couple times I felt the rear end try to let go, and I was able to just flick it, flick the wheel to the right a little and, and stay in the throttle. And also in the hybrid, uh, the Porsche LMP, there's like the, the last little kink at Le Mans or no, at Spa, the last little kink or the end of La Rouge. I had a problem with the CSL wheel and, and the G27 wheel of spinning on the exit because I'd have just a little bit too much wheel in it coming off that high speed corner. And it's just not happening to me with, with the DD base at all. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, you know, I was going to buy a wheel in late summer. That was my original plan. But when uh, some of the wheel experts, as I call them, on the forums really convinced me to, to make a decision sooner, that's Brian Sohn, uh, Bino. Those guys are, are great. We follow them on the forums, and they give us a lot of ideas for stories. But uh, Brian Sohn, uh, right after I bought the wheel, actually, uh, he put together a great list that list out the price per nanometer of all the wheels that are available today for the for direct drive and so the the best deal is actually the simu cube uh the simu cube sc1 uh, came in at fifty dollars and 18 cents per nanometer uh the sc2 pro came at 62.40 the sc1 uh, 62.75 and then the fanatec dd2 $71.96. The AccuForce V2, $73 per nanometer. And then finally, the, the Fanatec DD1, $74.95 per nanometer is what you pay when you buy that wheel. Now, that price is after they increased it by $200. So I feel like I get a good price. It is on the, the lower end of the spectrum. Of course, the Leo Bodnar wheels are on the top end of the spectrum. You can pay as high as $270 per nanometer if you buy a Leo Bodnar wheel. So I think, I, I, you know, for you, I think uh, your decision was, but you were talking a lot about, you know, you're wanting the nanometer stuff and talking about that, what you were interested on it, like, I don't know about David. I think David might be the same boat as me. Like the reason I'm in the Fanatec family is the the products that they have that go with these bases. It's the rim, rims. They're always coming out with a new one a couple times a year. And you know, I know you're not interested in multiple rims, Mike, but you know that for me, that's something that was crucial in the decision. So you know, that's something to take into consideration too. Is when you're buying one of these rims, is what what do they what do they have on top of just being a base? Right. And and this one's wireless. I mean, that was a big part of it. Uh, AccuForce is not wireless. Yeah, and that's and that's the huge thing about Fanatec is everything, their brain is inside the center of the wheel. It's like, it's right, it's in the hub. It's where you attach it. Yeah, so I'm very happy that with the purchase. I mean, it is a lot of money. I haven't bought anything since the pedals, which were about $1,100 uh, for my SIM pet, uh, pedals. But, uh, yeah, I'm real happy. So so you have about $2,500 to $3,000 just racing, sitting, going to be sitting on your desk? Yeah, but my idea is I only want to buy it once. I'm going to be racing for a long time. 
I only want to buy this hardware once and make it last. And so that's why I'm just doing it, you know? Well, frankly, nothing lasts forever. But I mean, I ran that G27 for what, eight years. So nothing, nothing will last forever, but it'll last you a really long time. Well, that's the thing. My G27 is on its seventh year now and uh, it's time before it dies. And I can kind of sense it's on its last leg. I think mm -hmm. I can feel that. I was in the same boat. You could hear stuff grinding that didn't used to grind in there. It's technology. It's it, it's you know, they're not made. I mean, those Logitech wheels were pretty. They were pretty revolutionary at the time. Like you didn't get uh, a good wheel like that for under you know five to a thousand dollars back then. When you could buy that wheel for under five hundred bucks was you know, and and look how long it lasts. Like if you think about your investment, if you got seven years, you probably paid. 200 300 for it you, you it did you well yeah now if you're in the market for a direct drive wheel go on the forums and search high-end wheel comparison and in that thread you will find this uh these prices per nanometer for every wheel i only went through about half of them but uh they're all listed there and if you scroll down you'll actually see they put some of the low-end wheels on there too including the g29 uh, the Thrustmaster T300, uh, the G920. Like, for example, the Logitech G29 is uh, $97 per nanometer. And how does that compare with the big wheels? Well, remember the Fanatec DD1, $74 per nanometer. So that means, is that a better deal? I don't know. <laughs> All right, one more, David. HP Reverb's uh, release date. The release date is set for May 6th. Uh, we had a forum post from a fellow posting some interest in it, looking forward to it. Uh, some other guys, though, expressed some concern because it still basically stays in about the same the same field of view class. Uh, there's, uh, It does have the, again, tracking is not that really big of an issue. The price is about $600. Oh, and there was another big concern that was that I, as I scanned through the the replies, it does not have a, a hardware IPD option. So, oh, that's the pupil distance thing. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to have a software adjustment zone, uh, but there's some disagreement in the forums on whether or not that can be as effective as as a hardware adjustment. We talked about a software adjustment for the, I think the Vive last week. I don't, and I. I have a hardware version on the, on my wrist, so I don't know how the software version would behave or not. But that was definitely a point of uh, debate if you want to go check out the forum post and read through it. Yeah, I'm not sure why you would pick this one over the new Rift, you know, which is less money. But I don't know. I'm not a VR guy. Let's get into uh, results. Uh, NIS, Dover. I ran Thursday fixed. I got a P9. Got caught up in several wrecks, actually. Was three laps down with three and a half minutes damage. I stayed in it. I got all of my damage fixed and somehow, someway, got back to the lead lap. And so that just tells you, man, don't give up if you get in these wrecks because uh, uh, I got a top 10 out of that. So it was a great week for me at Dover. Uh, Friday, uh, Tony, how'd you run? Uh, P20. I was running fifteenth. Uh, I had a long, strong, uh, long run car, but I just for some reason a, a lap car kept blocking me no matter where I went, either high or low. And uh, I was going high, close to the wall, and uh, he 
decided to follow me up there and I pretty much he kind of brake checked me and I hit the wall and I spun and pretty much wrecked the car. All right, and the Greg, uh, your luck continued. I couldn't believe it. I looked at your your uh, stream, and I, I mean, you didn't even get to fourth gear, I think, and you were wrecked. Uh, to be honest, I, I remembered it all of a sudden after uh, you guys tired talking. But <laughs> what happened was, I thought originally on that restart, the two cars in front, I think it was like eighth or something on the restart. I, I can't remember where I started, but everybody went. Whoever was in the bottom line couldn't restart properly on that on the start, and they all drifted towards the wall. I think there was multiple wrecks there, and me looking straight ahead watching, I thought I bounced off the wall and then caught the guy below me and wrecked. Well, then I went to the replay and realized the guy below me gunned it as hard as he could and just drove straight into my right rear and I and then took me out. I was I didn't even get a lap. I I drove around, sorry, I did get a lap because I had to get down and get on a pit road to see how much damage I had, but I had a meatball flag, and I think it was 20 minutes or something of cumulative time that I was going to be out, so I was like, I'm not wasting the, re- uh, wasting the rest of Friday night. So that's a couple, three bad weeks in a row, I think, so you need to get that turned around. It's not any better on the Sunday one. David, you had more of the same. You got wrecked out. Yeah, I'm getting on a little bit of a cold streak, too. Fortunately, I had the wednesday eighth place to rely on because both both the friday and the sunday morning i just got caught up in mess uh i can't really remember the individuals or you know they start to blur together when it's just a matter of getting caught up in other people's junk where you just can't dodge it all right and then mason okay cue the circus music let me fly in the circus music here okay mason he was running, and his right monitor kept turning off and on. And I have so a he... trombone if you want me to pull it out. <laughs> so what he had to do is, is the eye racing shifted to his left monitor. And so, like, he's driving with the steering wheel in front of him, but his head is turned to the left monitor, and he's looking out that way. And uh, I don't know where he finished, but it was kind of comical. Uh, he, also, re- <laughs> he also has had a bad bad. We're, we're... We've, we're getting some bad luck run here because he, he broke a pin on his will and had to send his stuff back to Fanatec. They're taking care of him, but he's running on his old will right now until he get it, gets it back. I think Brent's got a voodoo doll on both of us that uh, keeps causing us to make our way down to his uh, class. Well, clearly it's not working because it's still with me. So, <laughs> All right, let's uh, finish up Dover. I ran P7 on uh, Friday Open. Ran top 10 most of the night. I did fade on the long runs. Uh, probably would have been a better result if I had a short run at the end. I mean, I was just hoping for a caution. If I did, I think I could have got up there in the top five easily. Uh, but we were all strung out, and that's kind of the way it went there. But All right, Sunday Open. Uh, Tony, you got P3. Yeah, definitely the best finish I had at uh, Dover ever. Um, had a clean car at one time. I was a lap down for a black flag, which I cannot remember. I was probably uh, exiting a closed pit or something. Um, but after getting back up front, uh, main top five, um, at one point I was second. Um, on the final restart, uh, I think it was probably like 20 or 30 to go and stuff like that. We actually had lappers that actually slowed me down. Um, I think I actually was faster in the second and first. All right, and then uh, Greg, you had a great top five going, but <laughs> third and fourth didn't make their way around a lap car, and uh, I think it was like a 
five to ten car pileup. It was just cars everywhere. It, it basically, the t- it was the front stretch of Dover completely jammed up and it was on a long run too which was i was coming back i I think on that run uh i fell back a bit and then all of a sudden it was starting to come back to me with that setup because the setup was really good on the long run and um just couldn't couldn't keep couldn't finish the last 40 laps i was i was stoked to get a a finish and it just didn't happen all right, got to get that turned around. Uh, Mason, he got a P4. Self-spun early. He had 20 seconds damage. He had 20 more mid-race. Pushed hard to finish up P4 after avoiding Rex. Jesse, uh, you blew up. Yeah, I was uh, chasing Mason in that one, actually. We had about 20 to go, I want to say. And uh, I was on him, but I didn't have anything for him at the moment. And I uh, glanced down and realized I was sitting 290. And I uh, kept backing it down and kept backing it down and trying to limp it around. And I was holding on to fifth even for about uh, about five to go. And luckily it uh, didn't just blow, blow, and it had enough power where I could power it down and get it on the apron. But had a fifth place finish easy. Uh, luckily I have a second place for this week, so didn't hurt too bad. All right. Uh, Sunday fixed. I got a P11. Had a good run going. I actually got dive-bombed and uh, dumped, pushed to the wall. I actually rallied back to P11, which was a great finish considering my car was junk. Um, Kansas, let's talk about that. Wednesday fixed. Uh, Tony, you got wrecked while avoiding, uh, avoiding a wreck. I think you went really, really low, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, I pretty much went into the grass and the car on the outside. If I probably just inches, he, he, he would have missed me, but he got me and sent me right into the, the outside wall and Pretty much killed my day, so I went home. All right, Wednesday open. Mason got a P5, started on pit road, and missed the first several wrecks. Got caught in the leader's wrecks. Uh, Holding uh, your line is an issue here. I was running up front till a caution with eight to go, pitted, and top seven stayed out. Drove up to fifth. Could have been higher if I had dumped someone who had old tires, but he didn't. Mason's a good guy. Uh, David, uh, you got uh, fanner wrecked. Yeah, caught in a couple of early wrecks at about a minute of damage, got it fixed, and was kind of rallying up. I was literally running right behind Mason when we were coming to the last caution. And then just all of a sudden, my wheel turned hard left as if if somebody had rear-ended me. And and then I noticed none of the buttons were working. My pedals were responding, but the wheel was not. It had switched to compatibility mode for some reason. this, This is the second time it's happened to me. Uh, and the only way I'm able to get it back into the PC mode is to do a, uh, is to actually do the firmware update. So I knew the firmware was updated, but I had to update the firmware again to get it to fix. Uh, probably cost me a top ten. I was gonna after after surviving all the wrecks and getting through a lot of crazy attrition. Hoping uh, I've done a couple of changes. I made sure that I have the most up-to-date Fanatec driver now. So we'll see if that solves the problem. And the other possibility is it's my base is actually attached to a sliding uh keyboard stand that's pretty heavy duty but it still moves forward and backwards and so i'm thinking that if that that jarring motion might have been what knocked it into the mode as well so if either one of those don't fix it the next step will be to buy a rig yep yeah and uh side note somebody in the forum said that my rig the obato revolution 
will get shaken to the ground by these direct drive wheels. So we'll see if he's right or not. He, he was saying, I, I need to further reinforce it. Uh, but we'll have to see. I think it's going to be stable enough. I hope it is. We blew over it a little, but um, there's, you know, we were talking about uh, how much force to run on the settings. I went with mostly the Fanatec driver settings or recommended settings that you can set on the wheel, except I just I don't see how somebody can run it with the full 100% force feedback strength because I've got it at 50 and even from for my size I'm a relatively strong dude and running at 50 we did the enduro race at spa and the next day at my forearm was actually a little bit sore it wasn't it wasn't terrible but it felt like I had had a good workout on the forearm so I can't imagine running it at four at a, at a full hundred but even at 50 I get you can see on my stream it's bouncing me around uh, oh, yeah. when, when I hit the curbs um and it feel it, it feels great at 50 because there's not as much centering force it, it doesn't feel like when the wheel's trying to straighten it out i'm not having to fight it as much but when i hit a curb it really rocks me and but it seems that that's that seems to help me as far as not overcorrecting. so i'm running it at most most of the wheels i run it a little bit harder uh on the lmp than i do in the cup car uh but because i also run a different sensitivity but i, I don't see how somebody can run it at full strength Okay, so you were fan erect. Okay, Jesse, you got a P two, but we're in position to win. Yeah, it uh, it just wasn't in the cards. But I was uh, hovering on the right rear up to the door of the leader with uh, two or three to go, and we got a late caution that I was not anticipating. I think uh, if it would have went green, I think it would have it would have been close. But I think I would have came around on the high side. Brent and Mason did a great job with the set this week. It was great balance. I know a lot of a lot of guys were having exit issues with it sliding around, and I just I had it planted all the way around. All right, and then Brent, uh, you were upset because you were uh, you had a win in your hands. You, at least you, that's what you just said. Yeah, um, started P two, and was up front all beginning part of the race, and I just um, hundred percent my fault being too aggressive early on from the lead. I back end snuck out on me wrecked myself out from the lead. So it's not the first time it's happened this year. It's a, uh, a lesson learned. Led the most laughs in the race, 46, and finished P26. So Don't feel bad. Two people did it in my race. One of them actually took me out. Thursday open I ran, uh, got wrecked out uh, pretty early uh, by somebody just losing it. They were just loose in the corner. Uh, they overdrove and they snapped back up to the wall. I was trying to get by on the high side and I couldn't get by. About 10 minutes damage. Uh, boy, I don't know what I rallied to. Maybe 29th or something. But yeah, a lot of people uh, finished on the lead lap, so I didn't get a great result. Tony, uh, you did a little bit better, but you were also wrecked out. Yeah, I got a... Uh reeked while i was on the on the outside um i was running the outside lane there and uh right there in the trioval uh car got checked up and wrecked and i hit the brakes and brakes didn't like hold me too well and i smashed the front end of my car um i pretty much ended up three laps down but still p13 all right uh david inner uh mural standings all right, in the Open Series, uh, Scale still holds the pointless lead. He has two wins Man. to his credit now. Mason has 
has overtaken me with the with the run of bad luck I've had. He's now twenty four points behind. In second, I'm twenty five points behind. And then we got Rochette and Hull sneaking up on us as well. Hull, That's right. not Hull. Then Won't be me. Down in the opens or the fixed settings, McCoy's just kind of well running away with it with the four, four wins. wins. But uh, Hull's keeping it close, sort of. With that, he's only twenty three points behind, and Mike is twenty seven points behind. Yeah, I'll chase him down. We'll see. All right, next up, uh, we'll talk league racing. Uh, Chris Scales got a P5 in the OBRL, the Old Bastards. He had a great race. There was 120 laps, no cautions. There were three green flag stops. He said, intense racing. Uh, Jesse, you got a P7 in Northwest racing. Yeah, it uh, was a good week this week. I uh, was able to debut the uh, iRacers Lounge podcast paint. That was also nice. Uh, we're at Charlotte, and it's always long green flag runs, but it was the top five was quick, quick. Um, I was able to get a top ten out of it, but I didn't have anything for that top five. All right. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Brent McCoy. Yeah, a couple things here. want to give a shout-out to Bottom Split in America Racing. Job well done. I was a part of that, although it was not Bottom Split yesterday. In the, the open race. race, sure yeah. it wasn't. They were uh, broadcasting the all-star team, so they were doing something different other than bottom split. They were actually a couple splits higher than bottom split. So had that. Uh, if you want to see the iRacers Lounge podcast on there, check that out. Also, if you guys are interested in sponsoring the iRacers Lounge podcast, feel free to uh, shoot any one of us here a message, whether through iRacing or through Facebook or or through our email, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. We'll uh, we'll get back to you. We always have openings available. People want to come on, come on board and begin this partnership. All right, very good. David Hall, final thought. Speaking of those sponsorships, uh, we've we've talked about a couple of us streamers are actually willing to be involved in using our streams as a part of that package. So you might you might want to just be aware that's up up there on the table as well. Uh, speaking of streaming, I'm now on Twitch. My channel is Mixmage, twitch.tv or slash Mixmage. I'm using Restream, which is something Craig pointed me to to basically broadcast to both Facebook and Twitch. Facebook's still a little frustrating because you can't. We just can't interact with the fans right now. Their appy does not let. Let there's no way to use restream or anything to really get a chat window in the Oculus Rift and see it. So I I can see Twitch chat. I've got it floating right to the right of my wheel, so I can interact with you if you're on Twitch. I uh, still can't see the Facebook, but I still post there because it draws some good traffic and a lot of my family and friends who like to watch go there. So come check the stream out. Yeah, and I think you were rated the top streamer on iRacers World Facebook page uh, this week. So yeah, good it's, job. It's it's just a hobby, yeah, and it's funny. We skipped a story, but there's there's a, a reason I tend to race so much. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. <laughs> Go from one extreme to the other. You race a lot. I'm not racing as much. Um, anyways, uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitch. Uh, YouTube and uh, now I, uh, on our Facebook page as well under uh, Frozen Cactus, um, Frozen with two O's, Cactus two K's. Um, trying to get my luck back, I guess. I'm just a little frustrated with the racing right now, but uh, I'll figure it out. Um, I am going to compete in some different stuff the next little while just to try and take my mind out of just the NIS. I'm going to run in the IndyCar race this week too as well, so try that and. Uh, Go from there. And don't forget Lamar, man. I should practice the Lamar last night. I bought the Porsche. 
uh, hybrid car. I put up some laps uh, with a teammate, Mark, and uh, got that started. Boy, we only have three weeks left, so uh, let's do some of Le Mans, too. Uh, final thoughts, Jesse Gray. Yeah, just a uh, couple good weeks, a couple good finishes. I just want to keep uh, keep on the hot streak. All right, very good. Tony Rochette, final thought. Uh, just uh, uh, the all-star races next weekend. Um, come out and join us. Uh, I'm hoping for a better uh, Kansas uh, result tomorrow and uh, Sunday. Uh, that's about it. All right, All right very good. Mike, before you uh, go there, the other thing we just forgot as a result, too, uh, we forgot to talk about our P2 in the uh, at the spa this last past weekend, me, Mark, and David. Yeah, that was oh, a we great did, run. We? Yeah. That <laughs> in was the middle exciting. of the night. Yeah, all, we all had conf conflicts with, uh, well, they had conflicts with Saturday. And um, so we ran it, we ran it Sunday morning. We basically alarm clocked it. And um, Friday to Saturday, it, it turned it turned well, turned out well. Part of it was survival. Uh, we did have a couple of problems at the end. Greg's <laughs> pedals broke. <laughs> you, you're talking about his luck, and his pedals actually came off of his rig. And then yeah, immediately that following that, I had a technical error. Was it was it the wheel died or something happened? But still, P two. I, I had to, I had to pull over it and tow. No, you're a pit limiter. Pit limiter wouldn't come. Oh up. yeah, for some reason my pit limiter was not mapped, and uh, I had to. So I just had to tow after pulling out. All right. Well, good run, guys. Uh, getting it done. That makes me uh, feel good about Lamar coming up. Uh, my final thoughts, man. I can't believe I spent fourteen hundred dollars on a wheel. Uh, I told my wife it was a thousand, but yeah, the base was a thousand. But uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast, does she? No. But. Um, no, she was cool about it. I mean, it is my hobby. I spent a lot of time doing it. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, I've upgraded anything on this rig. And uh, the wheel is original. I've had this uh, seven years, so it was time. And I hope I made a good decision. I think I did. So I'm happy with it. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.